You are listening to the Novel Writing Podcast, episode 102. Grab a cup, cozy up, and let's get to writing. Today's episode is about the importance of developmental editing in the publishing process. Today, I have Haley Fuchs-Damewood with me, since she is right now editing my third book in my fantasy series. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, go on. So first, I have to tell everybody how Haley and I started working together to begin with, and this is particularly on my books. In 2018, that's when I wrote the first 50,000 words of book one during National Novel Writing Month. And then I wrote the next 55,000 words between the end of NaNo and then June of 2019. And I remembered that Haley was a writer because we'd met in college and we talked about it. And also that I loved her books because she had a couple out at that point and I loved reading them. So I reached out to Haley asking if she would be able to do a beta read or a critique of the draft. And she responded by saying that I was probably looking for a developmental editor. She outlined all of the reasons why developmental editing is important. And then she offered that she could do the job. (laughs) So I jumped on that. And because I really wanted my book to be professionally edited, I wanted that support and that feedback because I knew at that point my book was not perfect. And I knew that I couldn't make it perfect on my own. So book one went through three developmental edits, which honestly felt like a lot, but in the process... (laughs) Right? Like we blew up we blew yeah. up the middle twice. And blowing up the middle twice was really, really good for the story. We combined characters. I cut out scenes that I loved but didn't fit, including one that had a really great Monty Python reference. Um, <laughs> but taking it out actually made the story better. So yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but overall, what I learned from developmental editing meant that I wrote the first draft of book two with way less baggage. And book two only needed one developmental edit. But now that we're at book three, I'm really hoping it only needs one round. But, you know, as an author, I'm committed to the quality of the final product. So even if that means we need to do more than one round of developmental for book three or even book four, I'm down for it. So just so you know, to me, Haley, you, your developmental edits provide an unbiased external viewpoint from a reader's perspective, which is really important. And you also happen to be an editor with a keen eye for storytelling, and that's what grabs readers' attention is the storytelling piece. So Haley, as a developmental editor, (laughs) what do you think is important for writers to know? Oh my gosh. So the most, oh, I don't, I don't know if I could even narrow it down to just like, what's the most important things. Um, As a developmental editor, what I think is the most important when, if, if you're working with me or if you're working with another developmental editor, what I think is the most important thing to work on is getting rid of the parts of the story that feel boring or that feel out of place. It's, it's a developmental editing is big. This is the big stuff guys. So like, There's different kinds of editing that I kind of want to talk about today, just so you can understand what the difference is. So when Colleen came to me and said, hey, would you want to be a beta reader? I just want to, I want to let you guys know, like, I'm a terrible proofreader. I am not the person who you want going through your manuscript and like looking for words and grammar errors and proofreading. I'm not good at it. The thing that I am good at is looking at the overall story. And so that's what developmental editing is, is what is how is this story coming across overall on like a huge on on the large scale the big picture and we're not touching anything like oh i think that this line was out of place or i think that this could have been said better that's done in different rounds of editing so what i'd love to talk to about today is just like what the difference between each of those are and then you know kind of talk about what my experience has been and also also colleen's because 
when I very first started out, you know, I had my first draft done when I was 17 and I um, am always kind of, I've always been kind of an overconfident writer. I, I thought that it was pretty darn good at, at the right page of 17. Right. And I was like, I was like ready to publish at that point. I thought that I was doing all right. And I'm, I'm grateful that looking back, publishing when I first got done was a lot harder back then. Like now you can just hit a publish button any day of the week, right? And it's, it's pretty darn easy to publish actually. But at that time it was like, you had to query agents. You had to do this whole traditional publishing thing. Self-publishing was really not around yet. And so I was sending query letters to agents and finding out that they were not interested in my story. They didn't like it. And so I knew that something about the story wasn't quite right, but I didn't know how to hire an editor. I didn't know the importance of, I didn't know what a developmental editor was at that point. So I took the really, really, really long roundabout way, which is that I gave my book over the next seven years to 50 different people. I had 50 different people read it and come back to me with comments. And every time they would read it, I would, you know, go and fix things and fix things. And I'm going to tell you guys, like, almost everyone you give your book to is in more of the either copy editing or the proofreading line of, of work. Like, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for the grammar stuff. They're looking for, oh, I think this character could have said this a little different. Out of 50 people, I had five who came back and had big structural mm. comments and so to find if you guys can find those five people like it keep them keep them make sure you never lose track of them because they are so valuable but these were the people who sat down with me I remember the first one was my friend Jordan and I was you know I thought the book was great so I'd give it to him and he read it and I was like okay what'd you think like obviously it's fantastic right it's ready to be published and he was like Haley I'm going to make you a cup of tea and we're going to go over everything that's wrong with this book. Oh, <laughs> and we did he actually down. say it like that? Um, not, maybe not quite like that. He is a very <laughs> blunt person, but I, I don't know if it was quite so blunt, but he actually sat down and went page by page through the whole manuscript with me and was like, I think this would, this just would ring better if it was in this section of the book. And if you moved this over here and deleted this and like these big structural changes, it was, it was amazing. I came back from that edit and I ended up rewriting everything and it was so much stronger. And I found four other people in my time of, you know, giving it out and giving it out to friends and family and everybody. And I'm going to tell you guys, there's a shortcut, which is that there are people called developmental editors who are... <laughs> They are one of those five people. So you can either try to find the one in 10 who can do that for you, or you can hire a developmental editor who can go through and say, hey, I I love you. I, I love your writing, but there were five chapters in the middle that I fell asleep through. And like in, in the nicest way possible, I'm telling you this because I have ideas for how we can fix them. And that's always so important. Your editor should never just be saying what's wrong. It should always be, okay, this isn't working, but I have, I have an idea. I have a couple ideas that we can run through. And they also- and this is, like, this oh, is why I really like our four plus hour conversations about yeah. each edit that we go through, because it's not just you telling me what's wrong with the story and what I need to fix. It's a collaboration of what you think can make the story better and us having a discussion about what my intent is with that thing and how it can like flow better throughout the rest of the series when we have a discussion about that and like what my ideas were to begin with. So it's not just like 
a back and forth of what's wrong and what I need to fix. It's, it is actually a collaboration and you're helping me write the story as much as I wrote the first draft. And I totally forgot to mention that part. Yeah. We do like four hour calls. (laughs) So when Colleen says we did three rounds of developmental edits on her first book, and that felt like a lot, it's because we had a four hour call after every single (laughs) one of them of like, okay, we're going to, and pretty much rewrote the book each time. Like, you know, obviously a lot of things stayed, but a lot changed. And it was, that came out of those four hour conversations each time. So that's why when we say it feels like a lot, it's because it is a lot. But this is also the part that you should not skimp on. So if you're trying to find, if you're trying to find a developmental editor and they quote you something that sounds really cheap, probably don't go with them unless they're like brand new and you're okay with maybe not having as good a quality of an editor. But this is the part of the process, this and cover, I will not like skimp money on because it's so, so important. Absolutely. And actually to that end, I would say don't ever hire anybody who you don't fully trust or who has been referred to you by another writer who has worked with them. That is my rule of thumb is like, I've, I've heard so many stories, you guys, from the clients that I work with, like after we have that big four hour call and they're like, oh my gosh, Haley, I worked with a developmental editor before this and I paid them X amount of dollars. And usually it's a very high amount. And, and all I got back was a document of, of suggestions that I didn't even like, I didn't agree with, they didn't make sense. This is one of those things where it is worth the money to get somebody you trust, who you know can do the good job, which, you know, obviously does not have to be me. It doesn't have to be like through our company by any means. But that is one of the reasons that we have this company, Tally Inc., is so that you guys know that everyone we're recommending to you is someone we've actually worked with and that we fully trust. It's not some of those unmentionable sites online that that are just I'm sorry I won't say what they are but I I have had such bad experiences trying to hire strangers you know through these sites that just have a thousand editors and you go through and it's so overwhelming trying to pick which one's going to be right for you and and the hard part about developmental editing especially is that you can't really do sample copies with proofreading you could say hey Will you proofread my first 20 pages? I'll pay you X amount of dollars. Like, you know, pay them a good rate. Be be fair. Always, always pay the people you're working with fairly. But you can't do that with developmental because we're looking at the huge overall story. And I can't, I can't give you a sample of what that is going to be like until I've read the whole story. And at that point, you've already paid for the whole thing. So that's why the trustworthiness factor is is huge, especially for developmental. There are two other kinds. If you Well, if you talk to Lauren, she'll say three, but I, I put them into two buckets. So there's copy and line editing, which I put all into one bucket. So after you've done a couple rounds of developmental edits or, or one or, you know, you're feeling good about the story. The next thing is the copy editing and the line editing, which is looking at it on that smaller scale. So, you know, I keep saying we're not looking at the line by line stuff. We're looking at the big structural stuff during developmental. This is when you move to that next thing. So maybe this is going to be, hey, this character is is usually has such a fun personality, but they sounded so melancholy in this line for really no reason at all. Why did you word it that way? It's going to be things like, like, oh, this paragraph didn't flow well into the next one or like this chapter transition just it stopped abruptly and then it started somewhere so different that I feel totally lost. I can't even figure out which character is talking. This is going to be the stuff that's still improving the storytelling, 
but on a much smaller level. So actually, yeah, I, I, I like that description. It's still improving the storytelling, but it's on the smaller level because then the last thing you do is the proofreading, which is nothing to do with the storytelling. That is just the grammar, the punctuation. Did you put the right commas in? Did you accidentally misspell a word? And honestly, like that's the one, so that's the one that you can pay the least for. We would love if you want to do your proofreading through us here at Tally Inc., but that's the one that you can hire your friends for. And you can hire the local college student who's getting their English degree, who's, you know, just wants to make a couple bucks. Like you, there's people who are like really good at it. Like our editor, Lauren, is so much better at proofreading than I am. But that's kind of the one where you can get away with using your friends, using your beta readers, usually they're pretty good at catching all of those mistakes. So those are kind of the three big levels of editing is you do developmental first, which is the huge structural stuff. And I can't stress enough how much you need to find somebody that you trust or that has been referred to you by another writer who has worked with them and does trust them. And not like, not someone saying, oh, this is my friend. They have to be a writer and have worked with them and say this was a good experience because developmental editing is expensive. You want to get it right the first time. You do not want to hire the wrong person. And then you have your copy and line edits and then you have your proofreading and you want to go in that order. It would make no sense, you guys, to proofread first, to pay someone to proofread. If you have to be like Colleen and rewrite the entire middle of the book, like all of that proofreading is now gone. <laughs> so do it definitely in that order. I want to say- Oh, go ahead. On the subject of uh, copy edits, so I hired Lauren to do my first copy edit ever with uh, book one. And when I went into it, I was thinking, you know, this is probably something I can get a style sheet and then I won't need to use her again. And oh. then I found out <laughs> after going through that, that she knows how she knows all of my problem words. She knows all of my tendencies and my basically yeah, just how I write. And instead of my brain relying on my brain to look at that style sheet and remember all of my problem words or all of my go-to words and not do it is way too much work. So I just, <laughs> I will just pay Lauren to go through and tighten up all of the language that I know I have an issue with, but I don't feel like I need to tone it down because how I write is how I write. But mm -hmm. Lauren also is as much invested in the writing process as you are, as I am, um, except for the part where like I'm writing it. And <laughs> Like she comes up with the like the best questions. I think in book two, I had a line saying, like I was comparing an ice cannonball to the size of a watermelon. And that made sense to me. And then her comment was, okay, Argent lives in this other world that does not seem to have the kind of climate where watermelons would even exist. <laughs> does he know what a watermelon is? And I'm like, you know what? He doesn't. So that reference came out because of Lauren's copy. Yeah, that... Oh, she's so good at that too. And I'm always amazed at how much time and effort Lauren puts into those copy edits too. Like she will, I I don't even, I don't want to say like how many times she reads the book because it's like, I'm going to get the wrong number, but she reads it multiple times so that she catches those things, right? Of like, okay, yeah, there probably wouldn't be watermelons at this time. It's, you know, so it's, it is really cool. And like I said, not really my forte as much. Like, I don't know that I would have caught that watermelon reference. Um, <laughs> so that is pretty funny. That's a really good one. But yeah, it's, and that's, that's why, you know, you, you got to have different editors for like different stages. Although Lauren, Lauren actually does all three. She's pretty amazing, uh, but not she all does. of us can. But yeah. the thing about um, if you're going to use the same editor for all three stages, that editor will need to have breaks in between. So if 
if let's say Lauren does a, a developmental edit, she might need a month or more of a break between doing the developmental and the copy so that enough of the story leaves her mind so that she's not like pre-influenced by stuff that she's already read. So even if you mm. changed quite a bit, you still need to have that time gap in between developmental and copy and then even between copy and proof so that she's not, her brain's not seeing things that aren't there because she's filling in the gaps from what she's read before. Don't you think that just kind of happens naturally though? Because it, it takes a while to implement the changes after a four hour developmental edit call. It does. However, <laughs> on uh, my book too, when she did copy edit, I mm -hmm. finished going through the copy edits fast enough that she didn't have enough time to in between oh. the end of copy and the beginning of proof. So I just hired a different proofreader because I was on a tight schedule. Okay. That's actually really good. A really good recommendation. I like that a lot. All right. So that is like the importance of not skipping editors is because they will catch stuff that you will not. Uh, <laughs> Haley, do you have any last words of advice for people about editing? Last words of advice. Oh no, I think I already gave all my advice. Uh, hire trustworthy people. Um, I, you know, I'm not sure if I do. <laughs> I think I gave all my advice already. I guess the important part guys is be open to critique. Okay. I didn't say that one yet. All right, here. That's ah, my last, that's my parting advice is this is not, these four hour calls are not a time of combat where I'm trying to attack Colleen and she's trying to defend what her what her book is. It's it's a time of collaboration and it is very, very important that everybody, as you go into editing, you are open to ideas and it's okay if you don't agree with them. Listen anyways and maybe just kind of sit on it for a little while because I'm, I'm sure that this has happened to you because I know this happens to me is like someone will give a suggestion and I'm like that's dumb uh, absolutely <laughs> not and then three days go by and I'm like you know what actually that that could work. <laughs> That was and then, me when you suggested that we combine two of my characters into one. And that was the character that turned into Renault. And Renault is now one of my favorite characters. Okay. See, see. Oh, I think I remember that. That was like, that was one of those moments where you could see in Colleen's eyes. She's like, I will never. <laughs> and then uh, how many days do you think went by before you were like, okay, this might make sense. <laughs> I don't know. It might've been a week, but by the time yeah. I, I, I accepted that recommendation, I was like all in on Renault as Renault is <laughs> it makes perfect sense now yeah so be be open to critique know that you are not going to war with your editor they're there to help you and you do not have to take anything that they say but be open to it all right like don't don't just say no just think on it and then it's okay if you don't like it you do not have to but if and if you need clarification of like why on this green earth do you think that's a good idea you can have them explain why they think it's a good idea because then you can kind of noodle on it some more too but that'll be my my final bit of parting wisdom is be open to critique and do not get defensive this it is very it is very difficult to sit down for a developmental edit where somebody is critiquing your baby what you have worked so hard on and so you have to I think very consciously tell yourself hey they're here to help me. Like this is not the enemy. <laughs> and so, yeah, just remind yourself of that before you go into it. They're there to help you. And if you feel nervous before a call, I would say that's actually really normal. I think we all do because our writing is so important to us and having somebody pick it apart is always going to be a little, just 
just hard, but it's something that's worth it and you will get through it. I promise. And you will come out the other side and feel so good about it. Okay. Well, my uh, my favorite part of the process is the developmental edits and everything that comes after that. So the, there's only the only difference between excitement and nervousness is breathing. And I think I've just gotten to the point where I'm like super excited all the time about hearing what you have to say. <laughs> well, good. I love hearing that because I like anytime I do a first time developmental with someone, they're always like, I'm so nervous. I'm like, okay, it's normal. It's okay. Like yeah. we all we all feel that way. So breathe is, I guess, it maybe yep. your parting. <laughs> that is, you that is my parting advice. That is excitement. <laughs> All right. That is it for today's episode. Thank you for joining us. And remember, the first draft is supposed to be garbage. The Novel Writing Podcast is a production of Tally Inc. To find out more about our writing resources, including the 60-day Novel Writing Challenge, check out the links in the description.